Can you spot my wayward wife in her throng? Ah, yes. The usual problem. All these uh, gentlemen of color have driven a mere Nordic out of our minds. Have I laid eyes on her tonight, except in spots here and there being twirled about by some Ethiopian? I have not. Well, sir, you have to admit that the average colored man is a better dancer than the average white. That is, the celebrities who find their way up here are fair specimens of your sort. Having not tripped the light fantastic with any of the males, I'm hardly in a position to argue the point. Bianca and Co. are always raving on about the good looks okay. of some Negro, especially an unusually dark one, like Ralph Hazel's in there. Dozens of women have declared him fantastically handsome. What do you think, Izzy? No, and I don't think anyone else would either. It's just plain exoticism. An interest in what's different. A kind of emotional excitement. That something you feel in the presence of something strange. Even perhaps a bit repugnant to you. And there you have it. So, do you subscribe to the notion that our motives for coming up here are predatory? No. More curious, I should say. A Harlem madam I'd come to know, through having done a friend of hers a favor, introduced me to a special facet of the Harlem night world, something which the riot had only interrupted. It was the world where, behind locked doors, Negroes catered to moneyed white people's weird sexual tastes. The whites I'd known loved to rub shoulders publicly with black folks in the after-hours clubs and speakeasies. These, on the other hand, were whites who did not want it known that they'd been anywhere near Harlem. The riot had made these exclusive white customers nervous. Their slipping into and about Harlem hadn't been so noticeable when other whites were also around, but now they would be conspicuous. They also feared the recently aroused anger of Harlem Negroes. So the madam was safeguarding her growing operation by offering me a steerer's job. Harlem was their sin den, their flesh pot. They stole off among taboo black people and took off whatever antiseptic, important, dignified masks they wore in their white world. These were men who could afford to spend large amounts of money for two, three, or four hours indulging their strange appetites. Anything they could name, anything they could imagine, anything they could describe, they could do or could have done to them, just as long as they paid. One of my main steers to one specialty address away from the madam's house was the apartment of a big, coal-black girl, strong as an ox, with muscles like a dock worker's. A funny thing, it generally was the oldest of these white men, in their sixties, I know, some maybe in their seventies. They couldn't seem to recover quickly enough from their last whipping so they could have me meet them again at 45th and Broadway to take them back to that apartment, to cringe on their knees and beg and cry out for mercy under that black girl's whip. Some of them would pay me extra to come and watch them being beaten. That girl greased her big Amazon body all over to look shinier and blacker. She used small, plaited whips. She would draw blood, and she was making herself a small fortune off those old white men. White girls were in some of the various Harlem specialty places. They would participate in customers' most frequent exhibition requests. A sleek, black Negro male having a white woman. Was this the white man wanting to witness his deepest sexual fear? A few times, I even had parties that included white women whom the men had brought with them to watch this. 
context of white supremacy gusty renegade in for another broadcast hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy today's date tuesday april 26 2022 so i have been told uh quickly said it has been super challenging and all that COVID-19 and all the rest of it so we were here on Saturday for the compensatory call in I said man we had all these other issues and what have you and was going to get people on the line turns out we had quite a few people who attempted to ring in for our broadcast this past Saturday I didn't even see them on the switchboard I have no idea what happened why it didn't show that we had people that were calling in but we missed quite a few folks they emailed once the program was done like man what's going on I was on the line not trying to let people talk crazy so hopefully that will not happen today I'll give out the number right now 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND Press star six one if you would like to participate and please drop me an email if you get a hand up, you have a question that you would like to ask and want to get on the line. If you know I'm not getting your hand or what have you, drop me an email and let me know. I will do my best to make sure that I see that before we go off the air. But yeah, that was a real bummer. I wish we had got folks on this past weekend. We will compensate for that directly. Uh, the audio segments that we heard at the beginning of the broadcast today the first segment from the 2021 like right at the end of the year so not that long ago adaptation of passing black and white all that uh, interesting scene between one of the main characters Irene non-white female she's talking uh, to Hugh white man they're having their discussion about why these black and this movie is taking place in like the 1920s so like 100 years ago uh, in New York City Harlem and so they're you know why do you think these white people are, are coming down to go to this nightclub uh, and you heard that exchange we break from that to Minister Malcolm X his autobiography with the help of Alex Haley uh, that is a huge component of the first portion of his autobiography, the Detroit Red Years prior to Nation of Islam and all that, which actually does come up in the text today. Yikes. Woo, full circle. Uh, but before we get to all of that, he does spend a lot of time talking about all the slumming and white people hanging out in the black part of town in lots of different areas including Harlem, New York in the book club no less 2015 so we got here today the book club the cows book club have to say it again reading is more important than watching television so one reason reading is more important than watching television I've heard a number of folks, they watch some goofy movie, you watch Godfather 1, and oh, you gotta watch number 2, and then you gotta watch number 3, and I guess maybe, you know, you can learn something out of watching all these repeats. Now, I mean, sometimes they get you, and you get like Shrek 15. 
with books generally you follow a reference and you get your follow-up book or whatever you're gonna read you might learn some information so how did we get here today the cows book club we are currently oh my god so important for about a billion different readings time for reasons time is right and exact so the book club we're reading S.A. May Washington Williams Dear Senator Whew. so many parallels for everything we're talking about today uh, in that book matter of fact I can read it to you exactly what does she say in that book S.E. May in addition to talking about lots of different lynchings of black males poor down and out drunkard black people in general black males specifically she brings up passing what does she say? She says, <clears throat> do, 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 do. she compares uh, some of the characters to people that she's known in the book. She says the other girl who is blonde and blue eyed, but still half black has passed for white and married a powerful Park Avenue banker who is also a hardcore racist. His pet name for his olive skinned wife is Nig as in Nigra. He had no clue about her mixed blood. In the book, the two friends reconnect and each decides the other has the better life. The doctor's wife wishes she had passed and escaped from Harlem while the banker's wife is sorry about the tense charade she is living and yearns to go back to Harlem. In the end, the white banker discovers his wife's deception and he catches her at a glamorous black party in a Sugar Hill luxury apartment modeled on 409 Edgecombe. The book wasn't clear whether she is pushed or jumps out the window, but the message was clear. Passing was a bad idea. That's how we ended up here today, because at that time, I hadn't seen the film. I knew about Nella Larson a little bit, not a whole lot. I hadn't read any of her books. Uh, I was very aware they have really pushed it heavily in the academy over the past few years. When I say they, I mean white people at the university level. Uh, so I hadn't read her scholarship, but I read this and I said, yikes, is that passing? Like she gets thrown out the door or whatever, like yikes, that's, is that it? And I said, oh man. Is that in the movie that they just did? Like, that's what we got to be subjected to in 2022, basically. It is. But now, what I was even more inspired, because she goes on in the book, she mentions Nella Larson again, and she says, oh, yeah. Before she wrote that book, she was down at Tuskegee. She was a nurse. Essie Mae Washington Williams, she was a nurse before she switched up, became a teacher, and wrote her book. I said, oh, my gosh wow I had no idea she was at Tuskegee like Booker T. Washington Tuskegee syphilis experiment Tuskegee although she wasn't there during that time but I mean wow that's amazing I said I need to learn more about this Nella Larson same thing we do here at the cows Biog autobiography of Minister Malcolm X we're reading S.E. May Washington Williams memoir I had never in my life would have thought wow you do read a lot of biographies you can learn a lot studying some folks lives went to see hey let's get one of the biographies on Nella Larson so our guest for today's broadcast uh, wrote uh, one of the more recent biographies on Nella Larson titled In Search of Nella Larson a biography of the color line very important we'll talk about uh, his reason for selecting that title uh, he is the Newton C. Farr Professor of American Culture at Cornell University 
Uh, Nella Larson seems to be one of his uh, favorite subjects uh, in addition to Walt Whitman and the Harlem Renaissance in general. Uh, will be a hoot to have him on the program, discuss his book, some of his thoughts on the life and times of one Nella Larson. Uh, joining us live, our guest, Dr. George Hutchinson. Uh, Dr. Hutchinson, are you with us, sir? Yeah, hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. You're coming in clear. Can you hear us okay? Okay. Yep, got it. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing a bit of your Tuesday evening with us, uh, Dr. Hutchinson. Uh, for for folks who may not have read In Search of Nella Larson, this might be their first time hearing from you. Uh, If you want to just give us kind of a a brief intro, who you are and the work you do, sir. Okay, yeah, I'm a professor at Cornell University, um, and um, I'm a scholar of American literature and American culture, um, broadly considered, but a lot of my work has featured... um, on um, American racial culture, basically. So uh, interracial relations in American literature, African-American literature, uh, you know, racist uh, strains in American literature and just dealings with issues of race and the racial culture of the United States. Awesome. And uh, the, way I came, the, the way I came across Noah Larson, or became interested in her, of course, I had, I first I had written a book on the Harlem Renaissance, um, and um, I and a lot of that was really focused on the relationship between the Harlem Renaissance and American cultural nationalism. That is, many of the writers in the Harlem Renaissance wanted to emphasize the Americanness of African Americans and say, as Du Bois does in. Um, the souls of black folks, that there's no one, no American, no one is more American than African Americans, uh, uh, because they had created the most distinctive American cultures, music, and so on and so forth. Um, and, um, but anyway, so following that book, I was re- going to write a book on interracial literature in American culture, uh, in American history, meaning literature that focuses on interracial intimacies, uh, children of interracial couples, that kind of thing. And Noah Larson was naturally going to be an important factor in that book. Um, And then uh, some recent biographies had come out, which told the story of her life in a certain way that immediately I thought uh, red flags started going up, and I, I, I kind of thought I would question those. So that's how I ended up writing on on Larson. Uh, eventually, I decided that a new biography really did need to be written. Much obliged, Dr. Hutchinson, uh, in search of Nella Larson, a biography of the color line. Uh, for folks who have not seen you, you are a white man. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, this program, uh, words very important. I even wrote that down. Racial culture, racial strings uh, in literature, even in the subtitle of this book, uh, the book that we're talking about this evening, uh, The Color Line. Words are very important. Uh, I've concluded that all of those terms, what they are addressing is racism. I also use the term white supremacy. I use those two terms as synonyms and I use the same definition for both terms. 
the definition I use is as follows a global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white do you think such a system exists do you think that definition is accurate yeah no that that is the definition of white supremacy absolutely and white racism yeah and so um the way that whiteness uh well hang on hang on right there hang on right there and that's that's one thing that i just said about programs i didn't use the word whiteness and that's going to be very important for the broadcast uh, in terms of words being very important. I didn't say racial culture, racial strain, color line, system of white supremacy. And I said individuals classified as white specifically. And I'm making a point of this. I've concluded that one of the reasons we have not solved this problem yet, and we, I mean, non-white people, victims of racism, incorrect use of words which produces incorrect thought and what happens frequently I would say a lot of times this is not accidental this is done deliberately where we're not using the most accurate terms to describe this problem and that's producing confusion because it's just not accurate you have to describe problems accurately if you want to solve them do you agree with that Dr. Hutchinson? Yes I do in fact I, I would wonder what how do you define race? I have not used the term race at all. I use the term white supremacy well, okay. so and how racism. Do you define a white person? How do you define a white person? An individual who is classified, and this is going to be the only question that I answer. An individual who is classified and accepted as white by a substantial significant number of individuals who are also accepted classified as white okay now get back to my question point now I want to point that out for our listeners because the pivots just keep happening they're all over the place the title it's color line he said racial culture racial strain whiteness race none of those are most accurate for what we're talking about the most accurate term white supremacy that is the only even white racism because that suggests that you have some other types of racism and I'm just pointing this out for non-white people because the confusion the con- anyone who has been with us for Essie Mae Washington Williams ah, and it's some of the same terms that will come up when we get in this book but anywho one other thing that I want to point out is it logical Dr. Hutchinson for anyone who is classified as not white is it logical for that person to be suspicious of anyone, even yourself, Dr. Hutchinson, who is classified as white? Does that make sense in a system of white supremacy racism? Of course it does. Much obliged for the honesty. If we can have as much honesty and if you can make an effort, because I've also concluded one of the ways that white people deliberately practice racism is to not answer questions or to use 
unnecessary amounts of words in answering the question so it totally diffuses the answer you're not even sure if you got your question answered to make sure that we get even if you don't agree with the point definitely say so we're not trying to the metaphor they use is put words in your mouth just tell us what you think we're trying to have adult conversation hopefully we can discuss the book learn a lot about Nella Larson and ask you some questions about the book as well uh, is that acceptable Dr. Hutchinson yeah awesome Let's see. You already answered one of my questions in terms of Nella Larson's uh, what motivated you to read about this book. And you talked about some of the inaccuracies, maybe or red flags. That was a metaphor that you used. some of the red flags about some of the research on her life and times. I'd even say one of them you heard in S.E. Mae Washington Williams in her comment about passing and saying that she either jumped talking about Claire or was pushed. Folks who saw the movie or read the book. Hmm. We'll come back to that in a moment. Um, I guess to start off, yeah, because I've been talking about words the whole time. So with your biography in search of Nella Larson, a biography of color line, you ought to told us kind of what led you into studying her. What led you to this title specifically in search of Nella Larson, a biography of the color line? Because I'm tracing the way that the, the division between black and white that is the color line, has been reproduced from generation to generation, beginning in the era when she was born, 1891, up to the present day. Hmm. And this affected her in a particular way because her mother was a white immigrant from Denmark and her father, her natural father, was a man of color. We don't know if he considered himself black or mulatto or what, but he was from the Danish Virgin Islands. And uh, he abandoned them very quickly after she was born. And then she was raised within a totally white family. Her mother ended up marrying another white Danish immigrant. And so Larson was the one Negro child, or in those days they would have called her mulatto in the days when she was born. Uh, within a white family in a very racist society uh, and had to negotiate that. Hmm. When you say the division between black and white, what do you mean? I just mean the way that uh, people decide who is black and who is white. That's what you mean when you say the division between black and white, who decides who's white and who's black? Okay. Yeah, That's, it's how it's decided. It's how it's how people determine who is black and who is white. Okay. Even if we want to go go with that determining who is white and who is black, uh, and what mulatto, whatever else, who is making that determination, Doctor Hutchinson? Above all, it's white people. Yeah, I mean, it's you know the white power structure. It, it, it goes back to early colonial times in North America when uh, different colonies had different ways of defining race uh, and defining who was white, who was black. Um, and they started, you know, one of the first things was because there were white and black people who were having intimate relations, in some cases getting married, uh, there were white indentured servants, black enslaved people and so forth having kids and so the colony started 
instituting laws saying you can't do this, and then they had to decide who counts as black and who counts as white. Some people, in, in some colonies, if you had one grandfather or grandmother who was black, then you were black. But in other colonies, the rule was different. So in other words, the color line was, was defined in different ways in different places. But over the course of American history and up to the 20th century, the one-drop rule came into play uh, you know, more pervasively across the country, where if it was known that you had one black ancestor, that made you black. And all of this served white supremacy, obviously. It was instituted to do that. Absolutely. Very important. Uh, do With all of that said, then, uh, to serve white supremacy, and in particular that white people are making these decisions, and I even point that out, that it's not the colonies that decided, it's not the white power structure. Individuals classified as white are the power structure. It's not a law that's doing this. It's not a piece of land. Individuals well, classified. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Because this is super important, and this happens frequent, almost every time someone talks about racism, where it's not individuals classified as white being held accountable for doing these things that maintain, refine, expand white supremacy racism as a total global system, known universe system, really. And my question, you could give us your extra as well. My question. Do you think, Dr. Hutchinson, it would be more accurate your title if it was In Search of Nell Larson, a biography of the system of white supremacy racism? Is that more accurate than a biography of the color line? Hutchinson, he dipped. I think he hung up on us. I do have his number. I'll try and ring him back. I'll see uh, if we can get him back. But oh man, the wording in the book tells you everything you need to know. And that interrupting, because I answered his questions. I wasn't jumping in and interrupting him. Like you know, come on with all that. Let's see. Uh, Give me a moment, and I will. Let's see. Oh, okay. All right. Give me one moment and we'll ring him up. Right here does not get any better than tacky. Let's see. Forgive the dial. We'll see if we get Dr. Hutchinson with us. Hi, this is George. I'm sorry I can't get to the phone right now. Uh, leave your uh, number and brief message and I'll get back to you. Thank you. Bye. Greetings, Dr. Hutchinson. Bringing you back. You dropped off the line on the program when I was in the middle of my question. Uh, we'll try and ring you back again. Uh, we'll see uh, what's going on, but we'll try again. Thanks, Dr. Hutchinson. Let's see. 
Okay, we'll try and dial him back. I certainly could have allowed him to, you know, interrupt and talk over me, but I mean, really, like, I do not interrupt, jump over, talk over people. I think he was giving his response earlier in the program. I didn't cut him off. I said, oh, awesome. I thought he was done, and he added more. No problem. He agreed with my question. Right to be suspicious. Give us your response. All of that. I didn't hop in to interrupt him when he was talking. Same should be allowed. It shouldn't be when I'm talking, you get to hop in and interrupt me whenever you want to. And then specifically to leave when I'm going to ask my question about what is a more accurate term. Like I said, because he uses that term all throughout the book, the color line. And it's not like this is in quotes. It's not like Nella Larson used the term color line. And so he's just using it because she used it. Even if that were the case, one, you should put it in quotes, which is not. Uh, but two, hey, you know, color line is not the most accurate to describe. And I mean, hey, we're talking about the time they are lynching black people for fun during this time period. Now, I mean, really, that's color line. Really, we could be calling this system of terrorism. But at minimum, white supremacy, racism like. Uh, yeah, come on now. Uh, but in that continues you heard it in the conversation right there just in that short period with the words that he was using to deflect away from white supremacy racism uh racial culture racial strings white power structure colonies color line it's all of this to diffuse away from let's use the most accurate terms to describe racism white supremacy and even if nella larson W.E.B. Dubois, whomever it is, even if they are using inaccurate terminology or an entire inaccurate framework, which is generally the case, I'm not just going to replicate what's wrong. I can look at the, there's a better way of describing Jim Crow and all. Come on, <laughs> let's be more accurate. And the American, because that's not what this is. And that comes up in this book repeatedly. American racism. We're not in a global. He agreed to that. He agreed that with the definition global system that's in the book consistently as though you can leave and go someplace else. He has in the book, he's talking about uh, Nella Larson. She goes to Denmark and the word exotic is used over and over to describe her. In fact, forget that this is the cows. We've been here for 13 years. What have we done? Zwart Pete. That is Denmark. You can't even get them. Can we can we stop with Black Pete? And I mean, that's like now 2022. Can we stop with Black Pete? Is it possible we can stop with Black Pete? Is it, po it, it, it that's a little bit racist to have this little nigger elf <laughs> or infrequently it's a white person in blackface type of a thing? Is it is it possible they went out and protested and demonstrate? Is it possible we can stop Black Pete? No, we got to keep Black Pete. OK. We've had whole programs, in fact, uh, in the archives. We've talked about Black Pete uh, 2012 with black people in Denmark to attest to the white supremacy racism being global. But all of these components, in my view, are extremely important because it just keeps non-white people confused about what we're talking about. Jim Crow and white privilege, all of it. And when you are not saying, hey, it's individuals classified as white who are doing these who's doing the classifying is that non-white people and black people getting together to do all of this no oh, okay okay
we'll try again to uh, dial him, make sure he uh, is be- practicing racism, white supremacy, and uh, excusing himself from the conversation. Let's see. Forgive the ring. We'll try again. Let's see. All right, here we go. Hi, this is George. I'm sorry I can't get to the phone right now. Uh, Leave your uh, number and brief message, and I'll get back to you. Thank you. Bye. Greetings, Dr. Hutchinson. Dialing you back like uh, I suspect that you're practicing racism. You agreed to speak with us? Dialed in? I asked you uh, reasonable questions. In fact, I didn't interrupt you. You couldn't even provide the same courtesy. That's what I would expect from an individual classified as white. Evening, sir. If you are satisfied with your message, press 1 to listen to your message. There we go. Uh, Practicing racism, white supremacy. Now, again, he agreed, even with the short bit that we had him, he agreed. Yep. System of racism, white supremacy, and it's global. He agreed. Should we be suspicious? Anybody classified as white, even you? Yep. So what's the problem? Somebody cursing at you? Somebody interrupting you? Because, I mean, that's basic. That's like kindergarten. You get to speak. I speak. Hey. 13 years, what I do, I press my mute button unless I'm talking. There is no interrupting. Anywho, this white man uh, writing about and extensively uh, as well about Nella Larson, like uh, most of it was going to center back to words. Like I was hoping, you know, let's get some of the beginnings in uh, Chicago. (laughs) Chicago. We're so right on time because we just spent all that time this weekend talking about Chicago. Fred Hampton's house made a historic site. They talked about uh, they had a black former uh, officer in Chicago where they vacated like dozens of convictions of exclusively black people in the South Side, same region, even with Nella Larson, uh, where they vacated all of these convictions, where they made up all these charges on that. I mean, it was tons of things. They had different black or excuse me, different police officers, not black. They didn't identify persons unknown. They didn't identify them, but they said these were Chicago police officers who were supposed to be fired. Notice I didn't say former. They were supposed to be fired, but they haven't been still on. They said in some cases, months, some cases, years. They said they had low staff morale because of that. Anyway, it was tons that we talked about Chicago this weekend. So Nella Larson born in Chicago, uh, in the 1890 Satan's Mile ran down from State Van Buren to 22nd Street, according to Herbert Asbury. The section south of Taylor Street was known as Coon Hollow and was populated mostly by blacks with a scattering of whites in several bawdy houses where white women were kept for the pleasure of Negro men. I could have broke the cowbell on this one. Any type program like that, I generally just don't play. You know comes a distraction if you have to say it every other word Uh, but Satan's mind this is what I mean about what are we talking about when we say color line if anyone if you're new to the context of white supremacy if this is your first time hearing the cows you're like oh my god this savage negro and you know being uncouth and you ran off this distinguished Cornell professor pause right there (laughs) 
Uh, hey, this fella acknowledged that we're in a system of white supremacy racism. If it's the color line, because you use the word barriers in the book as well and separation that's a big one uh dear senator in fact that's the whole reason that we're reading dear senator because j russell hawkins did the same thing in talking about separation what did i say to him if it's separation j strom thurman get your penis out of that 15 year old that's what i said to him remember i could have used the exact same line had it right there for dr hutchinson what do you mean color line what do you mean barriers he told us in the short time he was here oh yeah uh, uh, Nella Larson has a white mom non-white father if there's separation if there's a so called color line that wouldn't be happening right even here in this, and I mean, even if you want to make it Americans, he does that. He does that in the book, so-called American. That's why I started with Minister Malcolm X. Like, what are you talking about? Rethinking Rufus. What are you talking about? J. Strom Thurmond. What are you talking about? You're not being you're the same way that he got off this line of attacking men. He could even just say, "Hey, you know, you're being niggerish and interrupting me, or whatever," which was not the case. I'm interrupting you, but whatever. You're being niggerish. I'm gonna live. He didn't even do that to just leave. Tacky white man through and through in fact uh let's see i was gonna call him again in fact if any of you all would like to give him a ring if you want to be tacky all the way through 812-360-7953 his number again 812-360-7953 feel free to give dr hutchinson a ring at your convenience just why did you leave? We were having a discussion. You agreed system of racism, right? You agreed. Be suspicious, right? You were interrupting him. What's up? You didn't even say goodbye. What's the deal? Race soldier doesn't get any better than tacky. Uh, let me see. Make sure I get in a few of the other points that I thought were. I did want to make sure that I got in because I, I didn't really know a whole lot about Nella Larson. I didn't I hadn't read any of her books, was never motivated or even curious to read any of her books. Passing quicksand, none of the above. Uh, and nor was I about learning her life. And I found out, oh, wow, she went down to Tuskegee, Alabama, again, years before the Tuskegee experiment got rolling. She didn't know Nurse, uh, Nurse Rivers, none of that. Uh, she also went to Fisk. I didn't know that. She also, as you heard now, her father leaves. They don't know what happened to him. He could have been lynched, killed. Who knows? Uh, he leaves. Mother remarries a white man. This white man, race soldier, boots her to the current. Now, again, collar line. That's the most accurate to describe all this. He's upset. You got this little nigger girl here. Nah, let's get rid of her. Uh, and she ends up not even being around the family uh, again. And again, this is Chicago when they're like, this is in fact, at the time that Nella Larson is born late 1900s, I think it's 1891 specifically. Uh, I think he said Chicago. They only had like 1% of their population was black. I mean, think about that. They're doing the, uh, I forgot how many years it. I think it's like 40 years. Is it 40 years? I think it might be 40 years. It's been a long time since Harold Washington, first black mayor of Chicago. They're doing celebration and all of that for him right now. Uh, that's like late 80s or early 80s. That's what I said. I think it's been like 40 years, something approximately. But uh, that's crazy to think of Chicago not being, you know, so-called chocolate city, tacky, delectable Negro metaphor. But 1% of the population at the time that she got there. So they are solidifying the we're going to warehouse the niggers here and terrorize them to death fire traps and 
all of it. They are solidifying that and the influx of black people running, thinking they're going to get away from racism, white supremacy and find warmth of other sons. Man, that hasn't even really started yet uh, at this point. So it's kind of seeing a much earlier version, but you still got Satan's. Uh, what is it? <laughs> Make sure I get it again. Satan's mile and Coon Hollow. And I mean, we've seen that over and over and over uh, and talking about different regions where they locate all of the vice drugs and uh, sex trafficking and all that put that where the dark people are and again Colin if that's the case what are you all doing over here in Coon Hollow over and over again that's why I started with Minister Malcolm next uh, other things I was going to make sure we talked about I said uh, Peter Larson so that's uh, the white stepfather race soldier who comes in and she's got to get out of here Aaron uh, let's see separate color line barriers these are terms that he uses throughout the uh, tech I also thought it was fascinating Nella Larson just like Essie Mae Washington Williams for people who are with us in the book club Essie Mae is in a nurse at first then she switches becomes a teacher then writes that book too uh, Nella Larson is a nurse I said she was down at uh, Tuskegee but she's a nurse in New York at the time of the Spanish flu epidemic. <laughs> In fact, let me see if I can uh, share that one. Let me go. This is on, I'll tell you the page number once I get there. Alicia, I was super prepped and ready to roll. It would not have uh, improved. It would have just continued in the same vein for Dr. Hutchinson. He'd even have to re reveal truth or dip, exit in a real tacky manner for Dr. Hutchinson. Uh, let's see. So this is in the middle of. Make sure I get the correct page here. Let's see. Oh, and they talk about the different riots that they had in Chicago. This covers so many of the like interesting parts of U.S. history, like turn of the 20th century. All right. So here's the part about the flu uh, that resonated at least with what's happening right now for me. She says or. Dr. Hutchinson, race soldier, suspect writes, uh, instead the flu came back. It resumed again and again into the early months of 1919 and the nurses of the health department went back to the bedside nursing. The epidemic cost more American lives in four months than all the wars the United States has fought to this day. It produced armies of orphans. It scared many thousands of Americans more deeply than the war that supposedly produced the lost generation and then like a trauma too difficult to absorb it nearly vanished from national memory uh, skip a little bit uh, amazingly the nurses held up against the disease Larson herself who in later years would be particularly susceptible to the flu colds pneumonia did take four days off probably for illness in mid January 1919 but in her bureau as of December at least none died in the most devastating early months of the crisis only two nurses came down with pneumonia and four with the flu their techniques and gauze masks had proven their worth the nurses of the Bureau of Preventable Diseases were regarded as the heroes of the crisis in New York which had more casualties than any other city in the United States but half the death rate of most mainly because of the effectiveness of the nurses I thought that was amazing again I didn't know Nella Larson was a nurse but I didn't know anything about her at all except for books I hadn't read uh, and like wow this book was published way before any of the COVID 
happened. So this is not some, you know, let me try and tie it in or what have you. This came out way before all that. So um, just wow. Uh, many of the parallels. I don't know if they had social media back then to be, you know, suspicious about everything. And the down, like some things change, some things do not. New York's still the epicenter. They do have a pretty big population, though. Uh, let's see. What are make sure I get out some of the uh, things that I thought were important. Let me tell you how crazy this is in terms of even though he was only here for a short period, I can only conclude based on doing my work, reading this book, uh, all of the things we were supposed to, this this happened as it was supposed to. Uh, I generally take these as signs that I was supposed to check out this material. So this is on page. Let's see the page number. Where's the page number at for this? 46 of uh, Dr. Hutchinson, suspected racist. Page 46, he writes an important factor in Chicago. He's talking about was the use of African-Americans as strike breakers in South Side labor disputes beginning in the 1890s, right? When she's born, Nella Larson, gradually an automatic association of Negro with scab developed in white workers' minds, especially after a failed stockyard strike in 1904. In the aftermath of the conflict, I said, you gotta be joking. You have gotta be joking. In the aftermath of the conflict, U.S. Senator Ben Pitchfork Tillman, Democrat, South Carolina, came up to Chicago to address the defeated strikers, telling them the black workers were the source of their problem. Supported by a city alderman, he harped on the threats of miscegenation and amalgamation. Finally, he announced it was the niggers that whipped you into line. They were the club with which your brains were beaten out if you ever had any. Mm. Now we've been talking about Ben Tillman for, you know, I don't even know. Book club go all the way back to 2015, and then he's mentioned every other page in S.E. May Washington Williams. Wow, uh, and they're going to talk about pitchfork. Ben Tillman goes violence against black people follows even in Chicago. Uh, let's see what else did I think was important. <laughs> 141. We talked about this for years uh, on the program. Justice was a guest on the program uh, for years when she was 10 starting out uh, back on the broadcast. Uh, and the reason for that, her presence at 10 even, hey, super important that we talk about racism, white supremacy and do so in a manner that is accurate so that, hey, the next generation can be less confused. Hey, eventually that will be the generation to solve this problem permanently. That's what we're looking for. Permanent solution to the problem. So we're not reading about Nella Larson a hundred years from now with the same sitting in the same position that she was. Uh, Nella Larson, she's uh, a nurse that doesn't work out. She goes to Fisk briefly, gets kicked out. She has kind of a rebellious nature about her, which I can appreciate. She was upset about some of their uh, kind of prudish dress, dress code standards. Uh, but I, even that at like Fisk and Tuskegee, where they had some of these stipulations and things, even that is a response to white supremacy racism. It would just be called, I guess, respectability politics, which you still hear a lot of today. You know, pull your pants up and all that. Not that I'm, you know, encouraging sagging, but just saying like, None of these things are why black people are mistreated, not because we're wearing the incorrect clothes or we're not respectable or we don't have class. 
that none of that is related to the problem. The problem is individuals classified as white, like Dr. Hutchinson, practicing white supremacy racism in a variety of ways, much of it incorrect use of words. Now, uh, Nella Larson, the nursing situation doesn't work out. So she goes to New York or she, she goes overseas for a little while. She comes back. She hangs out in New York. She ends up uh, being the first black person to go through their library training program, uh, even though she doesn't get credit for this later on. But big deal library. And I'm not being uh, facetious about that. It is a big deal. Like libraries are super important. And race. I mean, we just heard in Essie Mae Washington Williams where she said, hey, I found out that I have a white father at the age of 16 so I start going to the library to read who is Ben Tillman who is my dad let me you know read about the history of racism white supremacy really uh, and the, the history of the state of South Carolina going to the library super important so Noah Larson she goes to uh, library school New York uh, in New York graduates first black person to do so bravo uh, and so then she's at the library in New York. She works on a children's section at the library. This is like she's foundational in all of this. Like I said, I didn't know any of this reading directly from the book. Uh, this is page 128. Sojourn in Harlem, the dawn of the Harlem Renaissance. Uh, the founded by W.E.B. Dubois and August Granville Dill, the Brownies book was the world's first monthly magazine for black children, the first even to think of black children as an audience and the first publication for which Nella Larson wrote. It aimed to make colored children realize that being colored is a normal, beautiful thing and to convey the history of black achievement while teaching colored children a code of honor and action in their relations with white children. The editors also wished to teach universal love and brotherhood for all little folks asking adults what foreign countries you would like described briefly what dark children and white too for that matter for we colored people must set the example of broadness are doing all over the world. Now that rhetorical ethic we've talked about that in the universalism talked about that before marimba i need dr marimba i need in yorugu she talks about all that specifically where we have to try to make sure that there's no black racism remember i said that where he said white racism and that's something i point out all the time i never say white racism white racism because invariably someone will come oh well we got some non-white racism and black racism. Eh. not at all uh, and even in this book, he black people are described as being prejudiced. That's what I mean. Stop all of that. We're in a system of white supremacy racism. Period. The people who are to be held accountable always classified as white. Doctor Hutchinson. Uh, but I, all this super important about her work at the library and then the work around children. She did lots uh, coming in and setting up children's sections and encouraging children to read and getting them library cards and all the rest of it, which was groundbreaking. People were not doing this uh, at this time period. Um, just amazing. We learn a little bit about everything. I think Mr. Fuller uh, encourages that. Uh, let's see. Okay. Then let me get some of the portions where I was like, yeah, this is things that would need to be called out in terms of Dr. Hutchinson practicing racism, white supremacy within this text. I suspect deliberately. So uh, this is just try to get the page number. All right, so this is on page bottom of 37 going to 38. 
Uh, he writes, Larson began her public education at Mosley School, two blocks south and two blocks east of her home in Chicago. It was a large school in an aging building with more than 1,300 pupils, nearly one-third of them missing an on an average school day and about as many failing to be promoted from one year to the next on this measure Mosley was one of the least successful schools in the system still each classroom had more than 50 students on an average day the vast majority being natives of Europe or children of immigrants in these years before 1905 by most accounts white and black pupils got along tolerably well whatever that means white white man writing this in schools like Mosley playing together and forming friendships in the early grades one can assume this was so with Larson who always had white friends dun 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 in later life and was never as inclined as most African Americans to hold white people at arm's length now that last sentence that was highlight all of that one we got a metamorph Hold white people at arm's length. What does that even mean? That's what I mean, really. Like Dr. Hutchinson, break it down for me. What does that mean? Hold white people at arm's length. And particularly for this time period, I mean, they're still lynching black people on a regular basis. In fact, the time period that he's talking about, Zachariah Walker, I don't even, oh, had just been lynched. That's 1911. So he had just been lynched. Uh, however, many other people, John Carter, that was one we talked about. Uh, Willie Earl, Emmett Till, Scottsboro Boys hasn't even happened yet. Like there are many prominent cases that haven't even taken place. I think some of the some of the victims in the Scottsboro Boys case haven't even been born. Uh, the time period that we're talking about, uh, like late 1800s, early 1900s. In fact, rewind. Zachariah Walker is still alive at this point because this is before 1911. So I mean, what do you mean? most African and I mean it's no footnote here so I mean what are you talking about Dr. Hutchinson are you saying are you suggesting that at this time that most African Americans were suspicious of white people if so is there anything incorrect about that now pause I asked him is it logical for non-white people to be suspicious of anyone classified as white even you and he said yep so is there a problem in fact it should even go the other way around should Nella Larson have been if you want to use his words should she have been holding white people at arm's length should she have been more suspicious of white people like I said I don't even know what this means like what continuing uh, let's see because it's a bunch of these in the text like that let's see uh, let's give another one this is page page 22 let's see to many back up here uh, Okay, so he talks about frequently um, Nella Larson. She has a white parent now, uh, but frequently she would not support and many other people did. Even black people who had two black parents and four black grandparents did not support the idea of having a black hospital because they felt at that time 
racists would just say, oh, you've got a nigger hospital, so you don't need access to our good hospital, that type of a thing. So you had some black people who said, forget it. They're going to be racist. We just need to have our own Tuskegee, that type of thing. Uh, Or we should have access to everything. Uh, because they're going to put us in inferior hospitals, schools, da, 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 on down the line. No, we can't have Negro anything because it'll always be inferior. We need to be able to have access to everything. We're born here with citizens. We should have access to the same access that every citizen of the country has. Those are kind of two competing uh, schools of thought, both responses to white supremacy racism. So he writes, uh, and they're having this conflict about a hospital. Uh, The episode epitomizes the tactical dilemma African-Americans faced during a watershed period in the racial history of Chicago. Should one push for total integration of civic institutions that were integration, recognizing the existence of de facto segregation, opt for development of separate institutions in order to provide opportunities otherwise denied the city's black citizens. To many, the latter course threatened to play into the hands of Jim Crow of the Jim Crow movement that was rapidly engulfing the nation at the political heart of that movement was the attempt to maintain white supremacy. Finally get to the word at its socio psychological core was a need to control women's sexuality in the interests of race. Now he asked me that, well, how do you define race? How do you find a white person? I was was like, Hey man, you're not just going to ask me a bunch of questions. That is man. That was a fascinating exchange, even for 20 minutes, like the amount of material, because that that as well, when white people switch it around, like I'm ignorant. This white man is a professor at an Ivy League institution. You are not confused about race. And in fact, that's another one where, you know, that's not what we're talking about. So-called race. We're talking about white supremacy, racism. That's one that Fuller even uses. The problem isn't race. It is racism, white supremacy. I'm just switching around because I've heard, actually, I'm not accustomed to hearing Neely Fuller Jr. say it. I'm accustomed to hearing Bill Roden and he quotes Mr. Fuller all the time on his uh, Brothers on Sports, where they're talking about entertainment, but he'll quote Mr. Fuller all the time. Full name, Neely Fuller Jr. Uh, The problem is not race. It is racism, white supremacy for sure. Uh, but he said that. What do you, what do you mean it's race? Hmm, hmm. What do you, what do you explain as a white person? Hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, he continues, interest of race, and thus to make such persons as Nellie Walker. That bothered me too. He's real casual with names. Now he does do some uh, naming of white people in this book on a first name basis, but that just bothers me anytime a white author, really anybody, because I don't do that, but to have a white author writing and describing someone on a first name basis. You don't hear me calling Neely Fuller Jr. Neely or uh, Marimba Ani, Marimba or anything like that. Dr. Francis, you don't hear me doing that. Uh, I, in fact, the only one where I could say, oh, yes, you did, because it's Essie May. And the reason is Washington Williams is kind of lengthy. And we also are reading about the part of the book where she is still in her child uh, phase. But yeah, and normally when I say Essie May, I normally put the miss essay may on it but it's generally just yeah washington we i mean whew, that is quite a bit uh to say as opposed to what well, larson anyway he references her on a first name basis and a number of other people white and non-white in the book on a first name basis and that's just mm. anywho uh i'll start it again at its social psychological core was a need to control women's sexuality in the interests of race and thus to make persons such as Nellie Walker impossible 
to institute an absolute chasm between black and white identity. He has identity only in quotes. That chasm, which had a long history already, helped define 20th century America. It nurtured separate institutions, separate neighborhoods, separate mentalities, loyalties to separate races thought of as extended families, all of which in their complicated interrelations could only be mixed even while antagonistic to one another in fierce struggles for power and survival. All of that. That's what I mean about just confusion. Again, if we've got all this separation, we shouldn't have Coon Hollow. We shouldn't have all these white people like the scene that we started with in the audio clip who are coming down to the Negro hangouts to dance white women and white men. If we've got all of this separate Strom Thurmond, get your penis out of that 15 year old Thomas Jefferson get your penis out of that 15 year old and we don't have separate institutions because he in the book he writes about it this exact time period those Negro colleges that we keep referencing as bomb threats the same Negro institutions that are described in Dear Senator S. E. May Washington Williams memoir South Carolina State College at that time now University and Claflin which uh bomb threat victim among dozens these institutions are not separate either most of them maybe all that are named after an individual are named after individuals classified as white and many of the staff at these institutions were also individuals classified as white in fact that is the case even to this day so I have no idea what anybody, including Dr. Hutchinson, what are you even talking about? Separate, separate, separate. That is not what we have. And all of that is about confusion. This is about a power dynamic between individuals who say they are white and the folks that they say are Negroes. That's what we're talking about. A major component. Underline it, highlight it. A ma- this right here, exactly why he stormed off. If anybody who you know heard that, dang, gosh, you were rude and surly, and you know you need to get a little bit more rest or drink less. Ca-. I had three cups of coffee today, so it could be you know, Gussie is super caffeinated, and you know, calm down, black brother. You know all that talking about you know drinking more water. You need to. I have water right here, by the way, because caffeine does dehydrate you so if you are going to get on your java roll drink extra in fact it shouldn't just be drink your normal about you should drink extra water but you can feel free to let me know if I've just been grumpy uh, the folks who are with us uh, you can share a thought or two I'm just want to make sure I go through and pick out some of the other important segments uh, from the text uh, and just highlighting these are the reasons why I think he left these are why this is why I was making a point uh, of words and what have you that he uses in the text let's see get another one give you the page number really quick and it's still white guests only that's exactly why I would much rather have it be white guests only than have a non-white person sitting here and trying to tell me gush you old coon you don't know what you're talking about it is separation it is Jim Crow and white privileges right and remember cool in the gang victims guaranteed qualified if it's going to be a guest getting angry or what have you and stomping off let it be someone classified as white who has agreed yep system of white supremacy agreed that my definition was correct and agreed it's logical to be suspicious of anyone including him who's classified as white I would much rather have it be that way than some victim stomping off and coon Gus never talking that coon again yeah 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 
let's see. This one. Page. Say page. Page eighty-six. He writes. Say. Nella Larson herself later reported that all infractions of rules and instances of neglect of duty were reported to and dealt with by the superintendent of nurses who was white being specific that's what I mean it used to distress the old folks that we negroes had to tell things about each other to white people one Mrs. Christopher in particular used to say over and over that if the negro race we're not members of a race if the Negro race would only stick together we might get somewhere someday and that what the white folks didn't know about us wouldn't hurt us all this used to amuse me Larson added possibly playing to her predominantly white audience and possibly not she was never much for holding the barrier between the races let alone shoring it up that's many things I could say about a passage like that now we do have some direct quotes here and that's why I said individuals like Dr. Hutchinson many individuals classified as white they are so skilled and refined this white man is he studies the Negro you heard him Harlem Renaissance Nella Larson written uh, many books on all of these folks he's not ignorant Uh, to come in you can quote her with all this now I said you can start from the very beginning hey well let me go back all the way up here we heard this exactly from Essie Mae Washington Williams all of the white people are in charge I think she talked about one black person who did ultimately get that position she was like the first or what have you at the uh, hospital in New York uh, Essie Mae was that New York? yep in New York where she went to live with her brother got it right the first time um, but she was saying the same thing they wouldn't put black people in positions of authority or what have you they say the same thing 2022 we are today uh, then she said that I guess some of the black people they felt some type of way about having to share all their business with white people I totally understand that if it's 1891 1991 2021 I totally understand however Neely Fuller Jr. has said and I agree completely hey ain't gonna be no secrets from Dr. Hutchinson at all they study the Negro at Cornell Syracuse, Stanford, Harvard, they study the Ivy Leagues, they study the Negro. So it's not going to be any secrets. I think we've been confused about that for a long time. This whole the Negro race, that is such a powerful concept. It is totally flawed. We do not belong to a race, and that leads to a whole lot of frustration. And it's so much of that in the book. Just black. I mean, hey, now this is going through the era of Marcus Garvey, who's mentioned, and W. E. B. Du Bois. These folks are mentioned all throughout the text. I mean, hey, you or maybe you don't know, uh, but lots of of brawling between those two, and that's standard. Non-white people being in conflict with each other. It's tons of that. Uh, in the book, non-white people bickering, arguing with each other uh, about their views on white supremacy, racism. Uh, we're not a race. We're not a members of a race. We are just a group of individuals who have been subjugated and are trying to figure our way out of this problem. But we are not members of a race. The only reason to belong to a race is to practice racism, white supremacy. And that's going back to the question that I asked Dr. Hutchinson so who 
is in charge of all this? Oh, it's white people. Got it. They're the ones who told us we're part of the Negro race or the black race or the African-American race or whatever they call it. They told us that and then we latch on to that and then get mad with other members of our race who are traitors. Finally, all the way through. Uh, Larson said this used to amuse me and he says she was never up for holding the barrier between the races let alone shoring it up but I don't know what you're talking about there. there's no quotes there there's no footnotes that's all Dr. Hutchinson Larson was never much for holding the barrier between the races <laughs> races that's one and then two what are you talking about now you can say hey I'm an English professor I'm into language <laughs> in my view language is subjective but the most important component being accurate you do not want readers being confused about what we're even talking about again if there were barriers between the races divisions he used that word earlier Strom Thurmond get your penis out of that child Thomas Jefferson Jerry Sandusky how many of those do we need to add Mary Kay Letourneau, get that one in too. You've got to get some white women. You have to give me some white women so that I'm not being, uh, we call it, I was going to say heteronormative, but that's not it. Just being sexist, just focusing exclusively on white men who do this and white women do the same thing. That's talked about in the book. At least I did get that in the sound clip. White women do the same thing. Barriers, separation, division. This is a power and we just don't get that. That's not, it's not about seven. That's how you end up with lots of people thinking what will solve this problem is guess who's coming to dinner Nella Larson if we can what is it that uh, Claudia Rankin says super popular gets paid billions to go around and talk about racism we just need these white women to start having little black babies what how did President Obama get here this problem would have been solved a long 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 time ago if all we needed was to hop in bed together if all we needed was black people and white people to come to get whatever that means stand in the same room same bed same bathroom whatever that means power done that's what we're talking about white people having a power dynamic where they dominate non-white people all areas of people activity all over the known universe forever that's what we're talking about not separation and that's so tacky and I mean it's 2022 all of us should be beyond it that's why I said like Jim Crow and all of that if you're going to talk about racism white supremacy just my suggestion as a non-white person like Jim Crow separation the color line all of these are really poor inaccurate terms that probably racists came up to came up with they created these concepts because they're inaccurate they give you a flawed understanding and a flawed way of talking about what this problem is you want a deliberate way to make sure people don't solve a problem make sure they are never able to able to accurately articulate this is the problem we're trying to solve if you can keep that muddled you will be confused forever maybe if we can't just say what is 2 plus I mean if you could just say what is 2 plus 2 you might not even have to figure it out you might have somebody just comes by and says oh 4 that's all we're trying to do 4 next 
if you can't articulate that's what we're trying to figure out it's hard to help when you can't articulate man that's why people get frustrated too continuing uh, let's see what else did I think was really important and then I guess I get off I get two I get two that I thought were really important in terms of people uh, and then passing and then I'll check see if folks have any thoughts that they would uh, like to share so in terms of people at least in my view because Nella Larson does marry a black male uh, Elmer Imes I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly Elmer Imes uh, her husband's name but he does uh, killing me Elmer Imes feverish he ends up leaving her for a white woman a white woman who is employed at Fisk no less um so he leaves her eventually uh, leaves her for this white woman who I guess was really liked uh, I guess by the students there for what even uh, for whatever reason uh, many victims are very confused uh, about racism white supremacy and it doesn't take a whole lot to uh, get non-white people confused or to like a white person especially see uh, the white woman uh, that Nella Larson's husband left her for Ethel Gilbert is her name uh, she was a faculty member at Fisk and she's noted to uh, have loaned black students money and been, you know, just a really well-meaning, super friendly uh, white person. So I guess apparently it was rumored like on campus that they knew about this affair. Like, oh, man, he's cheating on Nella Larson with this white woman. And, you know, I guess some people, some of the black students allegedly were, you know, supportive because they like this white woman so much. That could be, you know could be a lie it totally could be true many many victims are very confused about racism white supremacy and again what separation what are you even talking about barriers what barriers uh let's see uh but anyway so yeah her husband ends up leaving her uh, and i think some of that is articulated like her anxiety uh and understandably so uh you know her husband's infidelity with this white woman coming through in uh passing which i'll get to as well but uh i think the person who's most important in this book in terms of in nella larson's life uh is carl van vechten a white man he's an author he wrote the book nigger heaven which is talked about uh regularly uh in the book and and the influence that it had that right and and even the segment that is in passing that I started with the scene where Irene is talking to Hugh Wentworth and he's asking her, well, what do you think about these white people who come down here to gaze at the Negro? Do you think it's prejudice and what's up with all that? And my white, my white wife uh, is out here with all these Ethiopians and has lost her mind and, you know, forget she's even forgotten that she's married and I'm here and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. Um, that character is supposed to be a composite based on what Dr. Hutchinson wrote uh, of two different white people, one of them being Carl Van Vechten. As I said, he wrote this book, Nigger Heaven, which has got all this debauchery and, you know, supposed to be frolicking and what have you. That allegedly, he even comes to be like, oh man, that's, you know, maybe I shouldn't have wrote that. And oh, allegedly, he feels bad about it. I've concluded that white people do not feel guilty about practicing racism, certainly not a book depicting Negroes uh, in some sort of sexual debauchery and what have you and saying that this is uplift of the race. That's, you know, pretty common. They call that hustle and flow. Now, remember that one? Terrence Howard, remember that one? Uh, So Carl Van Vechten, let's see, let me give you a good passage on Carl Van Vechten from the text. Mm -mm -mm. 
and then we'll maybe test out the switchboard before we wrap up just to make sure that it is working correctly today missed out on folks from before so this is on page one I guess the bottom of 193 um, yeah I'll give you quite a bit on this one so this is 193 Larson had many reasons to relish Carl Van Vechten's company he was of course an important contact one of the great talent scouts of the 20th century but his literary tastes also had much in common with hers having been born and raised in conservative Cedar Rapids Iowa a misfit outre fascinations and budding homosexual inclinations he was peculiarly sensitive to creative people who felt wary or misunderstood he was an amusing generous and imaginative host known for his flamboyant self-parading costumes around those issues that usually demand intense seriousness to the point of hypocrisy race and sex he was always testing boundaries inspiring people at risk of offending them to loosen up moreover he liked larson and admired her intelligence sensitive about being a parvenu in the black bourgeoisie larson found in van vechten a different conduit to recognition and self-affirmation moreover larson and van vechten had plenty to talk about as a student at the University of Chicago at the turn of the century when Larson was living on State Street in Chicago he had witnessed the performances of the black musical greats Burt Williams George Walker and Ada Overton in State Street resorts he had even filled in at the piano once or twice at the Everlay sisters brothel at 22nd and Dearborn and could still remember the fountain in its foyer at a, a reporter for the Chicago inter ocean and the Chicago American between 1903 and 1906 Van Vechten was full of stories about Nella Larson's old stopping grounds and he had long been interested in black culture hmm. much like Dr. Hutchinson nonetheless the distrust some Harlemites felt toward him was not entirely undeserved double negative that's one that I point out not entirely undeserved was logical reasonable grounded there are lots of more efficient ways and that's what I say that's the tendency when white people write as opposed to just being efficient and revealing truth about racism white supremacy with as few words as possible they obfuscate and deliberately so and this is not just one person I see this all the time with that double negative that's like basic kindergarten English they tell you uh, t you're not supposed to be uh, including double negatives uh I can't it's difficult for me to even think of one in a sentence because it's so it's confusing uh, you know do not uh, I can't even think I have to take some while to think of one in a sentence other than the one that I just read you not entirely undeserved un not you wouldn't do that you would just say grounded reasonable logical he told H.L. Minkin in mid-1925 jazz, the blues, Negro spirituals all stimulate me enormously interest to stimulate hmm. doubtless I shall discard them too in time, in parentheses Van Vechten did not in fact his interest deepened and lasted until he died in parentheses, a self-described opportunist and provocateur, he was also a compulsive cataloger and collector in the mid-twenties, Van Vechten's serious engagement with black culture did not prevent him from voicing stereotypical notions, he didn't say racist he said stereotypical notions of negro primitism that were common to the era and that he himself would repudiate later, allegedly 
nor was Larson immune to some of these same notions. End of parentheses. For better or worse, Larson's life was deeply affected by her friendship with Carl and his wife Fania, and from the time that she grew close to them, much of her social and professional identity was connected to theirs. This fact may well damage Larson's reputation even today because in the minds of many, Van Vechten is still regarded as the perfect example of the white cultural vampire or at the very least a pathological warrior. Larson's relationship to him is widely regarded as either a symptom of her poor judgment or an elaborate confidence game. In truth, like many friendships, it was a little bit of both, yet much, much more. Huge one for many reasons. Uh, one, the word vamp, white cultural vampire. That immediately reminded me of the delectable Negro. A couple mentions here today already where he has a passage in the book, Vincent Woodard, which uh, is very similar. And he talks about the and I think he uses the word vampiric. I think that's what it is. The vampiric nature of white culture uh, where they just come in and like the uh, mythological mythological vampire and suck the life force uh, and I mean everything the bone the marrow the gristle everything totally devouring you and I think that's depicted in passing with the character and even interesting his name is Hugh now I think they spell it H-U-G-H but I mean Hugh is in H-U-E color and then even his last name is Wentworth this is the character in the book passing Wentworth is the street in Chicago. Uh, I think one of the streets where they terrorized the niggers or what have you. So all that really interesting. But uh, this Van Vechten figure, um, there were lots of Dr. Hutchinson quotes from lots of black people in the book uh, who point this out at the time, who saw what this guy was doing and writing all this debauchery in nigger heaven, the book, <laughs> writing all this debauchery and saying, hey, this guy is a racist like we've seen this Malcolm X talked about this uh, in his autobiography we've seen all of this why are you hanging out with him and I mean that's the person more than anyone in this book that is like over 500 pages uh, that's the person that she's corresponding with most uh, and I mean letters and what have you I guess if they were able to recover telegrams and letters between uh, Nell Larson and her black husband non-white husband maybe they would have more information what have you but what we got here is lots and lots of correspondence between Nella Larson, Carl Van Vick, this white cultural vampire. Uh, and all, she had a white parent. It's been my experience. Non-white people in general are very confused about white people. It's been my experience. Non-white people do not keep white people at arm's length to use his metaphor. And it's been my experience. Most non-white people don't even have the power to keep white people at arm's length, even if they wanted to, whatever that means. Uh, but non-white people who have a white parent frequently can be even more confused because they have an emotional attachment. We're reading Dear Senator right now can be even more confused about that and that white validation and wanting white friends uh, and what have you can be very common. Uh, and Nella Larson, she had a, a difficult uh, experience like most victims of white supremacy and being abandoned uh, by her family 
uh, this, as I said, her racist white stepfather comes in and so she can't even have contact uh, with her family. Everybody needs human, uh, needs human contact, right? Companionship, all that is super important. Just unfortunately, a lot of times it is the white cultural vampire who comes in to, you know, and this guy's into all of his homosexual anti-sex debauchery and everything else. Like really, it one of his homies ends up managing Josephine Baker. Like I can get you his name if we proceed, but I mean, that's what you end up with. Just a whole lot of tacky arrangements. He talks about her dancing around in Paris with bananas on and uh, best you can get white cultural vampire vampirism and worldwide not just and they say that hey josephine baker she had to go overseas to be a star to wear a banana skirt and dance nude get overtures to be a concubine that's making it success isn't that the word they put on it yes uh let me give you one more white person uh lots of talk about the NAACP uh, in this book for this time period when it's first being formed like I said W.E.B. DuBois and all these other Booker T. Washington down at Tuskegee and all this at this time period and lynching so NAACP is doing lots uh, working on lynchings Walter White he's writing uh, The Rope and Faggot his book about lynching and his work with the NAACP he's meeting Nella Larson and all these folks that are hanging out uh, in New York uh, Harlem Renaissance 19 uh, teens 1920s and forward uh she writes or even he has a letter where Joel E. Spingarn and Nella Larson are having correspondence where she's telling him uh, about a book that she's not going to translate into English and I think this is like some raunchy uh, French literature she's not going to translate it uh, and I was going to ask him like what do you know about Joel E. Spingarn because his name has come up over and over and over particularly in the book club on the cows all the way back to the little rock nine somebody they have awards named after him and all that so I was going to ask him like what do you know about Joel Spinger and then wait to see now again Dr. Hutchinson this is a white man Ivy League professor you've written all these books you got Joel Spinger in your book where you went through tell us what you know about him wait and see I'll say oh okay now my suspicion would be that he does know this information but he would not have told us because he in my view this is one of those Hey, Dr. Hutchinson, in addition to your tacky exit from the program, you not including this information, I'm reading from Stephen Tompkins report in 1917. Spy target was black America. Now, this very much reminds me of Dr. Kenneth O'Reilly's book, which I just mentioned. Racial matters, the FBI's secret file on black America from 1960 to 1972. He talks about this started way before 1960. You just get the Cointel Pro operation specifically where they refine what have you what they're looking for but I mean in terms of spying on niggers that's old as Methuselah get my biblical me uh, metaphor in you heard that one uh, so Joel E. Spinger the report I just said Stephen Tompkins uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Van Diemen I even thought that is wild his name is spelled D-E-M-A-N Demon, demon, I don't know, but I mean, getting close to the truth with the spelling. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Demon wanted proof of subversion, not moral judgments. He hired Joel E. Spingarn, the white board chairman of the NAACP, and made him a major 
in the Military Intelligence Division. In May 1918, Joel E. Spingarn and, and Black Agent Lieutenant T. Montgomery Gregory ran a small unit of undercover agents according to intelligence documents. The documents show Spingarn, who remained NAACP chairman during his tenure at the MID, Military Intelligence Division, used his post to obtain critical information for MID, such as a list of the organization's 32,000 members. The NAACP gives an annual award named for Spingarn. Opening private mail became second nature. During World War One, MID opened 100,000 pieces of mail a week and surreptitiously subscribed to more than 60 black publications. This is at a time where you didn't even have like, I mean, it's the beginning of the 20th century before World War Two, before the Depression, even before the 20s. How many black publications do you even have? None of that information is in the book about Joel Spinger. He's just mentioned reference. He's one of the people that Nella Larson is talking to again. Now, hey, black people keeping white people at arm's length. Do you want to have white friends who might also be working for the military intelligence division's Negro spy program? Do you want to be kicking it with white homosexuals who just love to hang out with the Negro? Maybe it would be better to keep them all at arm's length, whatever that means. In fact, scratch that. I, maybe it would better be suspicious of everyone classified as white, even Dr. Hutchinson. And hey, he did agree to that before he left. Uh, oh, one of his other cute ones, the institution of race. Oh, he has that one in the book so many times. The institution of race. I don't even know what that means. Is that a place? Can we go visit the institution of race? What are their hours? Do you have to wear a mask to enter the institution of race? And I mean, he has that like verbatim in the book at least four different times and then other iterations. But the institution of race. Let's see. I'll get two in and then I'll get a few thoughts in on passing uh, and then I'll get this one in right here. I'll check to see if folks have any thoughts they would like to share. Star six one. If you have a comment or question, as I said, the switchboard was broken on Saturday. Maybe it's working today. Maybe it's not. Q&A session has started. I tapped it. So, all right. We shall see. It was not working for some reason on Saturday. We'll see if it's working today. Uh, so on page 339, Dr. Hutchinson he writes, oh, now see, I see a hand wasn't doing that on Saturday for some reason, or maybe it was. And I just wasn't, you know, wasn't functioning correctly. Let's see. This is on page. Like I said, this book is 500 pages. Like I sat there on a tumultuous week. My God, I told you all on Saturday, like I thought my computer was going to explode. Like I had to go do a uh, double duty. Like I could have, I even thought about saying, man, like it's been so crazy. Like maybe I should uh, reschedule or even cancel with Dr. Hutchinson. You know, my computer is about to explode. I said on Saturday and they suspended my Twitter account. I couldn't even get on black talk radio network. It was just an avalanche. The Twitter uh, switchboard wasn't working. Like 
piles and piles and piles and piles and all this other stuff. Uh, I thought I was going to have to send my computer in for repairs yesterday. Like, oh my goodness, got to make sure I get the book because I had the e-copy. So I was like, I got to make sure I get the book switched to my other computer so I won't lose my highlights and my notes and everything that I had organized and all of this counter racist grind. I said, I got my three cups of coffee. Let's get on the grind. The way things are going, I have no idea. Like computer could explode and kill us all tomorrow. So let's get down right now. Uh, I'm here to get down and I'm going to play around for 20. Who is this Negro? questioning me I'm going to interrupt him and he's going to have some black self-respect and not let me talk over him Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give one more that he wrote in here it's 500 pages of this but I mean to be able to, to go through and read like oh man especially if you understand white supremacy racism and the importance of words and when white people are not being accurate uh, with the words that they use like whew, it sticks out quite a bit uh, this one I thought was hugely important. Well, I was looking forward to asking him about this one. This is on page, page number three twenty six. Okay, so Boston Malcolm X's uh, stomping rounds. She writes, the usually loquacious Walter, who had sat silent through practically the entire interview, gamely wished her good luck with passing, adding, "I hope it's a bestseller. I hope it's banned in Boston." banned books out there. Anyway, it won't be, said Miss Larson. I'm much too innocuous to get banned anywhere and don't go insinuating things against Boston. I love Boston. I don't think there's any place in the world where a colored person can come and go with more complete absence of embarrassment. And that's it. I thought she was going to say mistreatment. That's not what she said. And this is all direct quote from her, which she said, complete absence of embarrassment. Hmm. People are delightful there. I have so many friends who feel just the same way, who have a very special feeling for Boston. I guess pause for Charles Stewart. Matter of fact, scratch that. You can pause for Charles Stewart. That's the white man who in 1989 killed his pregnant wife and blamed it on a nigger male. And they tore up the whole black section of town. Sure, that was lovely. I'm sure the black people loved Boston at that time. They got all that on color video footage. You can watch that on YouTube, but scratch that. Pause for Ted Landsmark. There we go. There we go. There we go. I guess you could pause for New Edition. Some of our cows listen say, whenever I think of Boston, I think of New Edition. That is not Gus T. Ted Landsmark. So when they were going to bust the Negras in Boston, white people came out in droves. And this was 1970s. This was like mm, 50, 60 years later after what Nella Larson is talking about. And they came out and said, forget that. If you're going to let these nigger children go to school, well, that's let the niggers have it they came out again in color but in black and white the photo of the year in the midst of all this Ted Landsmark black male he was like hey education that's what we need right we're all human beings I love Boston they grabbed an American flag and speared him white man photo of the year that's the color line continuing I have so many friends that were, oh, I don't think there's any place in the world where a colored person can come and go with more complete absence of embarrassment. People are delightful there. I have so many friends who feel just the same way, who have a very special feeling for Boston. And what about all those tables on of yours in the back of that lynching book? She's talking about Walter White ever since. See, he said, Walter, he does that so much in the book. I didn't know he was talking about it first. It was like, oh, he means Walter White. I'm not accustomed to people just referring to folks on a first name basis. You don't know these people. You're not friends with them. 
any way Walter White, who could have passed as a white person and did sometimes to report and do his counter racist work for the NAACP. Uh, and what about all those tables in the back of your book? That's ever, ever since lynchings have been recorded, there's not been one in Massachusetts, only two in New England. You talk to me about Boston. Uh, I thought Michael Chase said Boston was the most racist city in America. Like recently. Anyway, a diaphanous self parody runs along the quasi ethnological observations. Oh, wait a minute. If there are, this is all Hutchinson, all his words. If there's such a thing as conversational sleight of hand, this mildly inebrious interview suggests that Larson was a master at it. A diaphanous self parody runs alongside the quasi ethnological observations, which are perpetually undermined by threads of doubt. It is vintage, vintage 20s chatter outrageously downplaying the reality of Northern racism, yet testifying to it in a negative at the same time. Though she couldn't bear to read about lynchings, Larson remembered even the statistics on individual states in the back of Walter White's biography of Judge Lynch. Though she had never experienced racism firsthand, pause right there, that was one like, whoa, a white man said what? You're talking about a non-white female was born at the end of the 19th century she had a white parent basically gets disowned and booted because she can't hang out with the family she can't go visit them like where they move she can't go they don't allow niggers there so she can't go visit her white family once her white mother remarries a white man Peter Larson he says Dr. Hutchinson says the census takers come to the house they talk to him Peter Larson says oh we just got white children that that uh nigger when she's not even here they don't even list her banished a white man writing a biography on Nella Larson says though she had never experienced racism firsthand implicitly she had never known a place where a black person could move about with complete lack of embarrassment I have I mean you're practicing white supremacy racism never experienced racism firsthand even if you want to take some of the gripes that she has about black people her entire life is a response to white supremacy racism everything I can't even go visit my parents and I've never experienced racism they had to have a whole meeting are we going to allow this nigger woman to go to library school and she's never I don't, I don't care that they said oh yeah let's let I, I could care less if she had been white none of that would have been necessary never experienced racism is there a non-white person in the known universe right now April 26 2022 where you could truthfully say hey this little fella right here this boy right here this girl right here never experienced racism is such a person alive right now come on Dr. Hutchinson that Dr. Hutchinson knows this nonsense is all throughout the book that's what I mean like you all didn't you didn't read this book you didn't spend your time I was at the beach Sunday I told y'all I was at the beach Saturday which I was I went back to the beach on Sunday reading this book I could have really enjoyed my day it was beautiful here Sunday not today it was beautiful sunny 
lovely and I was at my favorite or one of my favorite beaches kicking it coconut water and all kicking it it would have been even better if I didn't have to read this lame book but it's tons of that that's why nobody you're not going to interrupt me uh, when I'm talking in particular I'm talking about the importance of words when you got this all throughout the book color line this and barrier this and she didn't experience racism are you serious why black people that keep white people at arm's length you got this all throughout the text mm. passing and then we'll see if the switchboard works uh, now Nella Larson her first book quicksand came out in 1928 I've not read quicksand he talks about he gives a brief brief synopsis in the book but I'm not familiar with that book like at all. I had highlights that I wanted to bring out because that book is talked about as being semi-autobiographical, meaning she takes some of her real lived experience, Nella Larson, and puts them in quicksand, which is fiction, total fiction. Um, but there's a scene where a non-white character goes back. She tries to meet her family, white family, and they've remarried. It's kind of the same experience. Uh, and they're like, oh, no you're not related to us get on out of here you know and it's a white woman that she's talking to she's going back looking for I think it's her uncle or whomever she's like oh no he's not your uncle like get on out of here if he was your uncle because this white woman is married to her person that is her uncle it's like if he's your uncle that means I'm your oh no get on out of here nigga woman and don't you come back and he was saying that he thinks that's might be based on something that actually happened to Nella Larson and again if that's true she never experienced racism Uh, passing her second book comes out in 1929 uh, and I think that one is more popular to my knowledge that one is very popular in terms of the academy Dr. Hutchinson white professors like him and many 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 white women women's studies programs and what have you super popular and uh, many since they don't allow black males black male privilege they don't allow us to come and get degrees and what have you so you have lots of black females they also have been forced to read this book and I guess you have fans and what have you but I mean hey white people have promoted and pushed this book aggressively maybe from the beginning all the way back to Carl Van Vechten anywho um, some non-white people have as well but I mean hey who was in charge here the book passing comes out in 1929 same year Dr. Neely whoops come on the reason I said it that way was the same year Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was born same year Navy Floyd Jr. was born year of the stock market crash as well momentous times so 1929 Passing is published uh, The rough, I haven't read this book either however I watched the film adaptation of the book because of the book we're reading in the book club dear uh, senator she talks about Nella Larson and the book specifically and she said oh wow this character is either pushed out the window or dies the end and I was like yikes is that in the movie it is spoiler alert sorry uh, so the book which we might read in the book club based on what I read here seeing the movie we might read it in the book club I have to think uh, but it's basically about you have the two main characters Irene Claire Irene non-white female she's married to a black male she is pale enough that she could so-called pass be accepted for a white person uh, and she does the time that she does she bumps into a classmate Claire 
uh, who is a non-white female. However, she is also pale enough that she also can pass and is doing so. She is accepted as a white woman. She's married to a white man. She has one child. They meet uh, the white woman passing, so-called Claire. She wants to reconnect with Irene chat it up, hang out with her, go hang out with black people and all of that. Seems like she might even have some regret about this passing thing. Incidentally, her racist husband, John, nicknames her Nig. Uh, and he explains this by saying that she was really pale when they first got married, but as she's aged, she's gotten darker. Uh, and he says, if you get any darker, you'll turn into a nigger. And says, Nig, that's what I'll call you. Ha ha ha, so funny. Uh, and so, Irene is, oh, I'm repulsed. In, incidentally, I think that there's some envy, some jealousy, like maybe, you know, she should have done the same thing. She just seems really insecure about a lot. And I mean, and I think incidentally, Irene, I think represents quite a bit of Nella Larson. I could be totally wrong. I've not read passing. That's why I said I'm curious to read it now to see if that's right. But I think Irene's character is a lot of Nella Larson. She has insecurities about her husband. I already told you that Nella Larson's husband does have an affair and leave her for a white woman. So that element is kind of there. Uh, and passing and just lots of insecurities uh, about addressing racism and white supremacy honestly she's hanging out with this white guy uh, all the time at these black dances and what have you like it just anyway so uh, Irene's character does not want to reconnect with Claire like eh get out of here you're you know pretending to be a white person jealous insecure all the rest of it get on out of here uh, Claire insists she comes back they start hanging out uh, Hutchinson interprets this as Claire is wanting to be black. I haven't read the book. He doesn't have any sentences to support that position. I don't think that that's accurate. He's already said there are tons of white people. They want to hang out with black people. That does not mean they want to no longer be classified as white. It just means I like coming slumming. They got lots of word for this coon town and all the rest of it. Uh, but that does not mean that they no longer want to be classified as white. I don't think Claire wants to give up being classified as white. I just think she likes hanging out with the niggers. Many people do. Carl Van Vechten, lots of folks. So that was one. As this all goes on and Claire keeps hanging out and then Irene's like, oh my God, I think she's, you know, might be having an affair with my husband or he's interested in her. And so she's upset about that and upset about her hanging out here. It seems like, as I said, she's got some jealousy. Everybody thinks Claire is so pretty white woman, of course. So she's got some jealousy or, or issues about that. They finally get to the end and she's like, so what are you going to do if your husband finds out that you're not white? And Claire says, oh, I would just come and, you know, live with the, the non-white people. No big deal. Irene is horrified by this. Oh my God, that would be the worst decision ever. So uh, they're at this party. Her husband does come to the party, finds that she's there, finds out, okay, you've been lying to me. You're a nigger. You're not nig. You are a nigger. And as opposed to him assaulting her or whatever, or even Essie Mae Washington Williams, she says that perhaps Claire jumped. There's no indication of that in the book at all that she jumped. What you read, if you read the book, it's very clear. Irene pushes Claire out the window. So that would be a non-white female pushes a non-white female out the window as she has been discovered. You're a nigger. In fact, as she is being pushed out the window by this black female, her racist white husband yells, nig. He doesn't even say nigger. Now he knows like it's nigger. It's not nigger. It's nigger. Nig. As she splats. 
that's why I said when I read, because I, I hadn't read this book, I didn't know anything about it, like except the passing part. I knew that, but I didn't know what happens. When I read that, and dear Senator, like, what? That's the book, and that's the book that they just made into a major motion picture film at the end of 2021. That's what we need to see right now. Black self-respect. Not the not that it would have been any better if the racist had threw her out the window, but I mean, a black female throws another black female out the window, and that's how it ends. That oh well. Yeah, we could have kept that back, you know, 20th century. Like, yep, we did it. There are many, many other better films that we could make. They didn't cut a fool and have a slapping associated with that one. Negro throws a nigger out the window. Nig, no problem. Netflix exclusive. So we might read that one just to see, because I could see why white people would promote a book like that. Be pleased about a book like that. Even Dr. Hutchinson about a book like that uh, and the confusion that's present. Incidentally, they specifically mentioned the lynching of John Carter in the film adaptation. He says that she wasn't interested in lynchings and all that and having that direct talk. I don't think they directly mentioned the lynching of John Carter in the book, in the written text passing, but it is in the film. And that did, I think that's 1927, 1929. Uh, the lynching of uh, John Carter who's dragged behind a vehicle and <laughs> delectable Negro. Anywho, uh, if folks have read Passing and have a thought, uh, I reckon if you saw the film and we didn't get to it, but if you saw the film, if you have a thought, uh, feel free. Feel free. Um, anything else that I'd like to get in about Doctor, just words are very important. Uh, these white people are not ignorant about racism. Like he wrote, like I said, a 500 page book um, that has lots of footnotes at some important points. There are no footnotes, as I've said, but I mean, it has lots uh, of footnotes, lots of information about tons uh, of non-white people and Langston Hughes and quoting all of these black people from this Paul Robeson <laughs> from from this period. We read his biography, too. Uh, but white people are not ignorant about racism, white supremacy, they become the experts on these black people, these entire periods of time, these entire groups of black people. And then they can write material, you, your offspring, whomever, they become interested in learning about these folks. And then they get all of this confusion about what racism, white supremacy is, how it works. Uh, And you're going and thinking that, oh, I'm learning. I'm getting accurate information that will help me solve this problem. And you're just getting more confounding concepts uh, and people that are not presenting you information accurately prejudice barriers Jim Crow color line we just got all this nonsense as opposed to system of white supremacy racism individuals classified as white practicing racism mistreating non-white people Uh, let's see is there anyone I was going to get Passing. Get to the folks who dialed in and see if they have any uh, thoughts to share. That'll give me a moment to. Oh, I guess there's one there. That'll give me a moment. Oh, there is the one right there. Hmm. Yeah, I'll save it for later. We'll see if folks have any uh, thoughts they have to share. Star 6 1. Let's see if the switchboard actually works. Uh, folks have anything they would like to chime in if they got to hear from Dr. Hutchinson or maybe they missed out totally. Uh, let's see. Uh, 
retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, we see your hand. Greetings, everyone. Uh, I, uh, as I was listening uh, to uh, this white person in the exchange, uh, I'm just thinking on there are some uh, white people who have come on this program that stated that they did not want to tell non-white people on what to do about racism or they didn't feel comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. You know, although uh, a few uh, would say something like, uh, uh, I just forgot her name, uh, the white woman who uh, uh stating incorrectly, and I think on purpose, uh, about saying this, this, you're wrong for stating yourself as a quote-unquote non-white person when it comes to uh, racism and white supremacy. Uh, Jane Elliott, <laughs> uh, uh, she was bold enough to, to state that, but uh, there is plenty of opportunity for a white person to be honest and speak directly to the global system of racism and white supremacy when they're talking, especially when they're talking directly to non-white people it is essential that they do so and time and time again you hear these white people like the one who uh almost in record time gus <laughs> uh left the program uh and i think i think the hint to that was some of the these questions, uh, those couple of questions that he he was trying to ask you, uh, that you were correcting him, and I I could be wrong, but I think that he understood that you had a understanding of what an accurate understanding of what he was uh, attempting to do with these book book uh, books that he he writes on racism uh it's designed to for profit uh th- he doesn't want to be as accurate as possible because what it would do it would t- it would turn off the white people <laughs> that that would be interested in buying his books and white people like to feel good or like to feel they they like to feel like they're not racist, but racism does exist, quote unquote. Uh, and they, those are the type of white people that would buy his books, you know. And there's a market, there's a market for that, especially now, especially now because white people are much more refined than they was when I was born in 1957. They are much more refined now. They don't want to. They don't want to ex, uh, uh, take the uh, the position of being a racist, but yet they want to talk about racism, and therefore they would they would uh, kind of like uh, 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 water down. I have to use a metaphor right now because I can't think of a word. Water down the uh, vocabulary on the subject as opposed to more accurate terms that they could uh could share 
there's there's one time that I heard just recently of a of a white person speaking accurate accurately to a non-white person. And I have been listening to Dr. Welsing a lot this week, a lot of her reports and recordings and whatnot. And you know, there's many of them. And she was mentioning how uh, this black male was, was stating about uh, the religion that's called Christianity, at least his version of it anyway, and uh, how that there's no racism or something like that. And a white female corrected him and said, you know, that what you're studying, we gave that to you for the purpose of confusing you, confusing you on the subject of racism and white supremacy. This is the type of things that white people should be doing when they're in contact with us. And there's plenty of opportunity because <laughs> because I'm not the smartest person, but but I, at least I'm trying to to uh, 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 have an understanding of racist white supremacy and there's, there's enough of non-white people who do not have a good understanding of racist white supremacy. And in that particular example, a white person certainly can help by stating such as what Dr. Wilson reported that this white woman stated to this black male uh, about uh that his version of his the, the the version of Christianity that really is actually is white supremacy, the religion of white supremacy actually. And those are some of my thoughts when it came to uh this person. Uh that very quickly uh got off the line, you know, how dare you? How dare you and they have egos also. You know, he writes these books and I didn't have the opportunity to ask my question you know, to him about, okay, what, by you writing these books and whatnot, that sort of thing, what is your intent? What is your ultimate objective? Is it to solve the problem of racist white supremacy? Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not by him leaving, that, leaving the program. Uh, white people ought to be as patient, as patient as, as I mean, patience to the, to the point of hurting patience when it comes to, uh, non-white people who want to have an understanding of racism, white supremacy. And uh, in that case, he showed that he is uh, 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 actually practicing racism by him uh, leaving the land. And that's what I have to say. Thank you. Much obliged. Retired firefighter in Florida, old Jane Elliott. That's it. Told Augustine, what you doing? Calling yourself a non-white person. She said, you listen to Big Mama on the plantation. I'm telling you, don't you be talking. And then, oh, you going to keep saying it? I don't have to answer your question. Hmm. Now, show you that. Who was in charge? You sit here and think you're going to disobey me? You're going to sass me? Jane Elliott. Practicing racism. And she said, admitted racist. She said, so that's, that's what I expect. Dr. Hutchinson. Jane Elliott I'm, I tell you what words to you and you're not supposed to use words to reveal truth I see uh, caller at 9029 but you're not supposed to use words to reveal truth it's like he's acting like I don't know what race means I just wrote a whole book about racism white supremacy I don't know what race means I just told you I'm a white man right. 
I don't know what white means. What what is what is a white man? Can you tell me that? What's a white man? Right. Nonsense. And exactly what he said, white people, racist man, racist woman, racist child, because they're not confused and because they are accustomed to bumping into confused negras, it sticks out. Ooh. This nigger is calling attention to words and he's even saying he's not going to take questions from me. He could have, I mean, we've had people that dipped before early, right? We've been here a long time, 13 years. He didn't even give us, you know what? You're being a coon. Goodbye. Because we've had that one. They, you know, get indignant about it. I've got dinner to go to it. He didn't even do that. <laughs> it's like, I'm gone. <laughs> like, no word, no syllable, no nothing. Which we've had before too. But I mean, no better than tacky. Uh, 9029, you should be with us as well. Uh, greetings, Gus. Greetings, callers and listeners. Um, yeah, I was kind of, not kind of, I was just disappointed because I really, I started to get the feeling this guy was, he was kind of pulling that interracial bit. Like, I felt like he was, I remember the, and I'm just calling the movie out, but I remember the movie Bullworth when the main character said, you know, the best solution for us to do is just so we all have sex together and we all just have interracial babies. Like it kind of, he kind of seemed like that type of, um, kind of, uh, white person, that type of character. And I've, I've run into that in, in, in the office and corporate where, you know, I've had white men say that that's the solution. <laughs> just kind of, I'm like, okay. Um, as opposed to justice, you're saying have sex. Like I just, it, it's confusing as hell. And I think he's, he's it's a very deceptive man that we just had on the line. And I think he, once he started sensing that there was a little bit of clarity, the slightest bit, he just dipped because he wasn't going to be caught out there and probably, probably told his peers to listen in and he didn't want to get embarrassed because it was, it was going to get embarrassing. Um, but I did want to ask him about the book slumming. Um, I think I forgot. Let me see if I, I think I have the book on my shelf over here because I haven't gotten a chance to read it, but he sounds like he's somebody that would probably have some kind of deeper insight into slumming if he was studying the Harlem, Harlem during that time, because that was happening in Harlem as you know, from Malcolm X's point of view for, for some time. So I was kind of curious as to what he thought about that. I think, yeah, it's slumming by Chad Heath. Um, he's talking about the um, basic sexuality, sexual and racial encounters in American nightlife, 1885 to 1940. Um, so I was just kind of curious because I'm uh, pretty sure that guy had some kind of understanding of that nightlife and that situation um, during that time. Um, also, just just a, a big big thing going on is really here seems like there's a lot of pushback against um i'd say the you know mayor here in um, new york uh and that's something just i was thinking about as he was speaking about harlem and new york city so much but i'll uh mute my line thank you slumming now that's an uh, that is a great point 
uh, sir, because he said that's why I said like that is fact because he wasn't even here, but for like 30 minutes or so. Uh, I think the audio segment, it took about 10 minutes to intro. So 20 minutes, probably maybe less than that, probably between 15 and 20. And uh, even that, like, wow, that is fascinating. I'm going to have to go back and re-listen because he said he was going to write a book on interracial literature. <laughs> what you said about all the uh, bedroom co-man, why that? I said that. I said, How does everything end up the late Sidney Poitier? How is everything? Guess who's coming? And they, they make a movie for like every era that's supposed to be that that's all we got to do guess who's coming to dinner and that will solve this problem he's a bullworth and they they say i made a sound clip of it because they say it in bullworth i think that's warren Beatty, uh the character but they say it like repeatedly uh that yes we just need to have more white people and non-white people they say you know the f word but uh having sexual intercourse and that will solve the problem. I mean, normally it's not that flagrant, but I mean, that's his expert. And you, that's why you, Claudia Rankin, she said the same thing. She just said this. This is a, like I said, a black female. She gets, she probably doesn't make as much as Jane Elliott to go out and talk about racism, but she's written books, poetry, and will get on major platforms. This problem, white supremacy, racism will not be solved until white women start having non-white babies we've already had that no evidence that that solves the problem but he said that was it he was going to write a book on that and Nella Larson was going to be a large part of that that's exactly what he which is interesting because like she married a black male now she did have a white parent and a non-white parent he said it and he said it would include the product of those unions now again why that's even a good question why is that the focus why does that consistently why does Gus T have as a rule on Saturdays no area 8 and no entertainment and this you know those are closely related too but uh, he's why is that the focus because I mean it's not like people haven't talked about that before J.A. Rogers has like books on that anybody who values I think it's three I mean it's three? not Damn. it's not like that subject has not been covered Pam the interracial con- is there are more books France Fanon black skin white Matt there are more books about black people and white people rethinking Rufus yeah I mean you'll pile them up to the sea there'll be more books about that than you could <laughs> we're reading one right now as he made Washington Williams we read two this year lucky it's more books about that than you could read in a lifetime. Most of them don't even give you it's the nonsense that we got here uh, where he's not even using accurate terms. Are you going to add more, sir? No, I was, I was just saying he's adding part of the noise. Cops. Um, yeah, I was just saying he was, he's just adding to the confusion. That's all he's doing. He has no interest in solving any problems because as soon as you spoke about words, he should, as a writer, as an author, he should have automatically understood, even on the basic level, so people that classify themselves as writers that haven't even written a book have a 
profound understanding of words and when words are used against them or for them. And the fact that he immediately just got triggered by that was, I mean, it was a telltale sign. I, I kind of, I'll be honest, I, immediately I was like, I don't think he's going to stay on your show, Gus. Once he started firing back questions, I didn't think, I mean, I probably gave him maybe a couple more minutes, but he kind of dipped real quick. He really dipped real quick. I got to tell you that. This book is over 500 pages. Like, it's not short. It's a lot of detail. So, I mean, he is accustomed to comprehensive, and I'm all about that. But one, make sure you answer the question. And then don't just give me buckets of words. Like, be talking about something, really talking about something to help us solve problems. I think retired firefighter in Florida he was talking about Farrell Winfrey. That was the white woman Dr. Welsing was referencing. I know this because she's been a guest on the cows repeatedly. Also an admitted racist. And she did the same thing uh, in terms of not answering questions. You don't have to go back and listen to the archives, but she's been here repeatedly. And we talked about that uh, in terms of the religion of white supremacy. She even agreed that, yep, accurate term. That's the best thing to call it. Religion of white supremacy. Uh, but I mean, that that is so rare admitted white supremacist Farrell Winfrey is not even reliable to do that to every time that you come around non-white people you're just offering accurate information you correct us you know or at minimum you know I'm not trying to tell you what to do and all that I'm not being you know big mama on the plantation however I'm submitting that this is accurate information and you can verify it for yourself that right there would go a long way whenever you talk to non-white people you're being honest white people don't do that and I submit a major component of counter-racism correct use of words individuals who are master deceivers they flourish when they are deceiving people who are kind of reckless about words like it's real easy to trick children <laughs> oh my god like they don't have an expansive vocabulary a lot of times they don't ask questions and you can just kind of get them emotional oh sucker They're super easy unfortunately it's very easy to trick victims number one hey the re <laughs> mr fuller has it at the front of the book you don't understand white supremacy or racism Psh, downhill from there incorrect use of words they don't even call it that we move off into prejudice white privilege structures vestiges of slavery the institutions of race or the institution of race the color line Jim Crow what I, are we talking about birds what System. Yes, can I? Can I? System of white supremacy, racism. It's, they don't even say system of Jim Crow. At least that would be a little bit better. Like, okay, the system of Jim Crow. We will have to get with the system of Jim Crow. Yes, sir. Yeah, excuse me, Gus. I just wanted to add something. I've been reading a book by Neil Postman called um, "Disappearing Childhood," and basically, one of the it's just. It, it's interesting how everything crosses 
basically one of the things he mentioned, Neil Postman, is that with the invention of all these devices, phones, well, not phones because they weren't around before he passed away, unfortunately, but um, television, um, radio, and now it's phones and, and Internet and all these other things. Children have more access to, um, to adult content. And images are very different from words. So henceforth, what he's proposing was during the earlier stages, children had words and books to read first before they got to a certain age. And the adults were in charge of that. But now most children don't have to read so much or are not willing to because of the, the media that they constantly get bombarded with on their phones or by television. So people, they tend not to have such a high respect for words. And once, and even in his book, in this book, he's stating that now that they don't, don't use words that much and don't have a high understanding of words, they're easily abused. And children, even during ancient times, people that were viewed as non-literate were viewed as children during those times. I just think it's interesting you brought that up because that's pretty much similar to what I'm reading right now. Boys and gals, that is what they call us. Boys and gals, uh, not men and women. And incidentally, man, the Cows Book Club, a decade, we have read a lot, including Neil Postman, who wrote a lot. But we read Stupid Talk, Crazy Talk, which is, if anything, for today's broadcast, for our guest today and his shenanigans, Yes, indeed. We read Neil Postman, Stupid Talk, Crazy Talk. And that book is all about the correct use of words. And even why is it? Because I asked him that question, Dr. Hutchinson, before he let him, why is it called this? And he left when I was asking, would it be more accurate to title this book Biography of the Color Line or Biography of System of White Supremacy Racism? Now, uh, Neil Postman's book, as I said, Stupid Talk, asked him about the title. We talked about that. He explains it thoroughly in his book. Stupid, when you use words incorrectly, that can uh, promote stupid, crazy thinking. And I just said that. I said that earlier today. When you're trying to solve a problem, you're not able to accurately articulate what that problem is it becomes much more difficult to solve if not impossible you can go crazy stupid uh crazy with incorrect talk you reduce you minimize all that and when you have individuals who are about deception I like to keep people confused. I like to keep them frustrated. That serves my business interest to have them. What? What? What is it? Keep up more of that. Those folks, one of the best things that you can do using words correctly. They, I mean, even that when I say my definition of racism, white supremacy, and we get whiteness, race, racial strains. What? I didn't say any of that. I didn't say any of that. <laughs> like you said, we're said, uh oh, uh oh. These are not my typical boys and gals. Now these are still niggers. Definitely still a boy, but woo. 
seems like he understands that to some degree and might be trying to counter that. Woo. Out of here. We've seen that a number of times. Could be, you know, Gus. Is, I was going to say it could be Gus was uncouth or whatever. No, I wasn't interrupting him. What I say? I use my mute button. He was interrupting me and switching those words up. When they do that, I'm talking to a white person and I say white supremacy and they come back with white privilege. Pause. I didn't say that. That might be the way that you talk about that. Nobody. That is not accurate. And that is so, so important. White people do that all the They don't do that when they talk about Nazi Germany. I never hear anyone say Nazi Germany is white privilege. Now, why is that? You go out here and lynch Emmett Till and we can end up talking about white privilege. We talk about Adolf Hitler every time. Holocaust. Why is that? If it's white privilege over here, we can't get anybody indicted for Emmett Till. Why is Adolf Hitler? Why isn't that white privilege? Only when you talk about the mistreatment, particularly of black people, then we minimize, we obfuscate, we find any other words and find ways where we can veer off into blaming black people. We're not even going to talk about it. And he did that too. structures, institution of race. We're not even talking when I had to ask, who is it that's doing the classifying here? Oh, individuals classified as white. Got it. And we had that cow's archives, white by law, whole book about that. And Hani Lopez, individuals classified as white. That's our job. That's one of the main, that's one of the fundamental components of white supremacy, racism, classifying individuals as negros. This is who we're supposed to mistreat. That's the only reason for having so-called racial classifications. And again, only reason for belonging to a race, only one, the white race. And I know that's very, very unpopular. A double negative. I got one. So you would not say that is not an unpopular opinion. Double neg. It doesn't even make sense. You would just say that's not popular or that's unpopular. You would pick one. You would not. And when I mean, I've pointed that out for years. I'm not even uh, all into grammar like that. Who is he? I'm not an editor. I'm not an English scholar. However, I can recognize double. Like I said, that's like basic elementary school. They tell you don't use double negatives. Generally, you can't even get to middle school without that. I see it all the time. It's in Dr. Ivy League professor. And as I say, it'll be critical moments where they're explaining white supremacy, racism. You don't have to get that technical into it. I'm just saying. Dr. Martin Kevorkian, I've said over the years, the white people who are like English professors, they have a doctorate in English. That's what they teach and what have you. Very skilled with words. Those end up being very refined racist. Dr. Kevorkian, I'm not going to say that he would qualify as what uh, retired fire was talking about in terms of a white person who every time, you know, you're around them, they're always giving correct information and blah, blah, blah. However, he is someone because of his understanding of his proficiency with words and language. He is someone that I can talk to and will from time to time reveal quality information about white supremacy, racism. He was a guest. He was a guest on the program this year. And we talked about King Richard way before the Oscars. I was even going to email and be like, man, we spent all that time talking about that film and then hmm which I should do I have to report back and see what he says uh, anything else folks wanted to uh, 
get in, I guess, star six one. It seems like maybe the switchboard is working today, I guess. Uh, we'll see if that continues. Book Club, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. There are so many parallels. Like, my goodness. Um, Essie Mae Washington Williams, our narrator, who, bless her heart, I'm so thankful I haven't had to read during all this. Um, but she said <clears throat> that the confusion like as we can we're almost at the end and so just seeing Essie Mae's confusion about her white dad and how she thinks about white she doesn't seem like she's keeping white people at arm's length certainly not her dad her dad how can I? but Jay Strong Thurman she's not keeping him at arm's length and what I said victims of racism don't even have the ability to quote unquote keep white people at arm's length Essie Mae specifically talked about she didn't want to hug her dad. He had ran off and married a 21-year-old white woman when he was 44. Left her mother. In fact, married a 21-year-old white woman when she was 20. Uh, imagine that your parent goes out and marries someone who is literally like a few months older than you. Pretty much at any age. Anywho, uh, she says, you know, I'm done. You're around here, nigga this, nigga that, and the campaign and all the rest of it, and ditch mom just died. You didn't even try and help her and all the rest of it. I'm done. I'm done with you, Strom. I'm going to keep you at arm's length. He doesn't even notify her in advance. He just shows up. Bam. I'm here. Show up at the school. What's going down? Is he made? How you doing? I'm not going to do the presentation all that. He just shows up at the school. She can't defy him, or at least that's not the story that we read. She, I'm keeping you at arm's length. Get on out of here, Strom. Oh, Strom, get on out of That's not what happens. Okay, she goes and meet with him and all that, but I'm going to keep him at arm's length then. And he comes up at the end. Give me a hug. Ah. She says she didn't have a chance to, you know, hey, 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 I'm keeping you at arm's length. Back up, Strom. Nope. That's what I expect system of white supremacy with confusion we don't even have the power to get white people up off of us in most instances Pam talked about that in the interracial con game uh, a lot of times all of this incorrect sexual activity happens because we aren't even able to just say no to a white person even today 2022 talk about that in neutralizing workplace racism you might have to practice it so you can say it be natural roll off if someone is doing all that touching and everything else power that again that's, this isn't about separation barriers color line this is about a power dynamic I mean really if you want to make it as super simple and accurate this is about mistreatment period all that other stuff is just nonsense that oh, lying and confusion which is more mistreatment right there when you're keeping somebody confused to their detriment all of that that is violence that is super mistreatment and harm so that's all it is individuals classified as white we're dedicated to mistreatment it's going to be mistreatment for individuals that we say are not white and we'll do the classifying on that but this is just about mistreatment we're just putting it on a global scale known universe scale system of mistreatment that is white supremacy racism anything else folks need to get in grant we will see uh 
Chad Heap wrote that book Slumming. Looks like he's classified as white, so maybe we'll see if we can get him as a guest on the program. University of Chicago Press, how interesting. Everything keeps going back to Chicago. Much obliged for folks uh, participating. Again, uh, hope I don't know. My people might allow me to use Twitter again. Maybe they won't. Uh, I'm not going to get another account and all that craziness. I'm not even that big a fan of uh, social media. And, and I was not misbehaving on Twitter if I had been on name calling folks, anybody really, white people or non-white people or, you know, cutting a fool. Uh, it would be otherwise. But that was not the case. As I said, my last posts were about an albino squirrel and a white man stealing milk crates. Subversive. They did have the military intelligence division. That said, we'll be here Thursday, book club, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Man, it is so similar. It is amazing. S.E. May Washington Williams, um, dear Senator, we're uh, getting close to the end. We will not conclude this week, but we are getting close uh, to the end of the text. Um, I've been told the confusion because uh, she was upset like it was kind of an emotional. I guess if anything. I totally you are supposed to have an emotional connection to your parents, father, mother. That's biology beyond even being a human being, you know, baby uh, pups and piglets, you know, calves. They have attachments to their parents. That is the way this works. That's it. Essie Mae Washington Williams last week, she was emotionally like I said, her mom had just died and her dad was flagrantly practicing racism and he did the same thing he did exactly what dr hutchinson did she's she's saying man you've been out campaigning and talking about separation we it's exactly what we read last week you've been out talking all this nonsense and he said oh you want you don't want to go swimming with white people do you that's crazy that's what you want to do is go to the woolworth and get a hot dog that's silliness (laughs) it's the great it's exactly uh dr hutchinson it's the exact same thing anyway she was upset last night he hit, did hit her off with like as I said last week probably a thousand dollars probably way more than that could have been like five thousand dollars who knows um, but he did her off with a lot of money which can be a tremendous salve right to this day 2022 for sure uh, but I mean that's her dad you know gave her half of her genetic material so all of that to say it is human nature to have emotional feelings either way, happy about someone, upset about someone, indifferent about someone. Those emotions can change. Counter racism is about logic. It is not, you know, I hate Dr. Hutchinson. I'm a boxism. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the logic. I mean, I can't exactly say that I'm happy about races. That would not be true at all. However, it's just about following logic. This is what I expect. This is how racists are supposed to function. They lie. They are violent. Lying is a form of violence. When they can't do that, sometimes I'm going to dip out totally. I can't confound you with words. Go back and tell other people, see if we can harm you another kind of way. But that's what I expect. Gus? Yes, sir. Uh, Part of the interruption again, sir, but it's just one of the things I wanted to mention. This is really something I think that's good to watch. Um, It's there was a documentary on Muhammad Ali that was done from uh, PBS, I believe. And that was a a very good documentary in regards to boxing and such forth, and especially from a racial aspect. And on 
Showtime, they have another version of the continuation of, of what from Muhammad Ali and on and how the transition, the transition was very interesting, how Muhammad Ali was very political, very involved um, in many aspects. And then transforming after he left, fighters such as um, uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray Leonard, um, such forth took, you know, the hitman Tommy Hearns. And they speak about, I mean, the whole entire series is just about, it's about racism. I mean, talking, they talk about from Nicaragua, the war that uh, so-called America has with them, uh, just all out throughout the whole entire thing, how boxing and the whole, the whole craft itself is not only violent, but also so racial and how every, almost every fight was almost about uh, a race situation. Um, including marvelous Marvin Hagler when he went to London and was booed and thrown bottles were thrown on him after he beat one of the boxers that called him a nigger before the fight. Um, but it's just a, definitely something worth watching from a historic standpoint, especially for people who don't you know, want to read certain things or read that kind of content. I'll mute my line. Much obliged, sir, the late Marvin Hagler. Uh, discussed that fight uh, with the race soldier across the pond last year with Dr. Gerald Horn, his book, The Bitter Sweet Science. Uh, well, that's the entire thesis of his book, White Supremacy, Racism, Gangsterism, which is really one and the same, and the industry of boxing, Bob Arum and all the rest of uh, Muhammad Ali and all the Marvin Hagler's in there, Floyd Mayweather, about this time last year, uh, in fact, 12 months ago. Uh, Dr. Horn was just with us, in fact, uh, a couple days ago. Um, I don't think it was this month. Maybe it was the very end. I think it was the very, very, I think it was literally the last day of March. So it feels like it could have been this month only because it was the very, very, very end of March. But he was just with us again to Race War, one of the best books I've ever read. Super well researched. And again, same thing he just said entire world. All of this about white supremacy racism. Uh, I think even in that one, I think Jack Johnson and Joe Lewis. Both are mentioned even in that one. How about that? Uh, much obliged, uh, folks participating. Hopefully, the switchboard, I think, may have been working today. Maybe it'll maintain. Who knows? Have to see how it goes. Uh, we should be here Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, continuing with Dear Senator, almost at the end. Uh, all of that said, words super important. Be mindful. Uh, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy they're like lots of parties like uh this is a good chunk of the book uh, and nella larson's like fame and heydays like 1920s 1930s uh some of that is during i guess what they call the uh prohibition era uh but lots of parties i think i was i was reminded i think one of the earlier visits mr fuller had on the cows uh, he talked about the importance of being focused, you know, what it is that you're supposed to be trying to get done uh, and to not lose track of that. One is to make sure words are not being used that are going to help push you away from what was it that we're supposed to be doing? To be Oh, yes, yes, that make sure that gets done. Um, but he said that during the like 1960s, I guess people going to going to New Orleans, no less Now that right there, like 
New Orleans. Why is this in New Orleans? Hmm. Uh, he said they went down to New Orleans or wherever and people are partying, champagne, got their nightgowns on, trying to hook up for sexual act. There we go again. Area 8. And he said, you know, hey, I get it. You know, that's fun. Champagne, all that. Dairy, sexual activity is fun. Right on. However, none of that is why we said we are coming to Louisiana. We said we're coming here for counter racist purposes. Whew. That distraction is in the book over and over where it's like, man, we're in the middle of all this like intense white supremacy, race of the depression. Black people are being lynched every other day. And I mean, like not police, whatever. I mean, like, hey, I think he looked at me funny or he might have raped a white woman or reckless eyeballed a white woman or he took a stamp or he stole an orange or whatever. He didn't get off the sidewalk fast enough. Uh, so we got to lynch five niggers, maybe 12. That's what it is happening regular basis maybe we punish someone probably don't that's happening on a regular basis and we're slumming we're hanging out with white people in coontown let's get our drink on and do the charleston the funky chicken listen to some songs sounds come on (laughs) like man priorities what do we do? Mr. Fuller said that like if we're gonna get together, especially if white people are pre- like this is business. Turn off those strobe lights, put that liquor away, cork that champagne, the wine, all of that. We really didn't even come to eat. You can put the silverware up. Oh, you got the fancy china. Well, that's great. You can put all that away. We did not come to eat. Uh, if somebody's hungry, you can pack up, you know, sandwiches or whatever. They can take that when we leave. But we got like serious business to tend to right now. That's the way it should be not horse it's, it's over and over we're hanging out and party even if it was all black people like man all this hanging out and partying and kicking it and having people we ate and drank and stayed up till four or five o'clock in the morning like we do not need to party to replace white supremacy with justice that's been a big part of the problem particularly when you got a white cultural vampires looking to come and do all kinds of slumming and sexual debauchery yeah. Dr. Wells talked about that all the time hey let's call calm all of that reckless sexual activity down all those throwaway children shut all that down and let's get serious about solving this problem putting Dr. Hutchinson out of business uh, if you are out and about this is not the time to be in confrontation with total strangers uh, if you see someone being hostile and rowdy exit you can call enforcement officers and all that as you are vacating the premises uh, you should be thinking that this person may be armed they may have an entire armed entourage if you didn't leave your residence prepare to die and or kill exit uh, if you're in a vehicle you're sober buckled not on your mobile phone uh, we need all of our attention Minimize contact with race soldiers as best we can and just trying to stay safe under very terroristic conditions. Jim Crow. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. 
remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Words are super important. All of us victims of white supremacy, let's work to improve, get better in how we articulate racism, white supremacy and striving for accuracy. Super important. Uh, sobriety would be pressed. No name calling. No gossiping and no reckless sexual activity. Dr. Welsing, those throwaway children, that is a crucial component to maintaining white supremacy racism. Take those throwaway children out of racists' hands. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>